Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 18th day of April, 2014. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, We Agnostics, and we are at page 49, and starting with the first paragraph, Instead of Regarding, is where we're going to begin. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Heidi, the 12 Traditions, Julie R., and then Lauren, Hoodie, Sharon R.S., and Kim. The share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 17th day of April, is 6197. 6197. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from the from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Heidi to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, this is Heidi, and here are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood them, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Heidi. And I will now ask Julie R. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Julie, a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, 
OA as such ought never be organized, but we can make, we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Julie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone in order to have a quiet meeting. Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, We Agnostics. We are on page 49 and the first full paragraph, instead of regarding ourselves. And I will ask Lauren S. to please get us started on the reading. Hi, Lauren S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end of it all. Rather vain of us, wasn't it? So, um, you know, in the past, I I chose to believe that. I, when I came in, I truly thought that my um, my mental state was okay, and it was just my physical features that were the problem, and the alpha. And the Omega, you know, I did a search on that phrase, and I think when Bill was writing this, he pulled from biblical literature, because in in the book of Revelations, in two different areas, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. You know, the Lord is talking to his people, telling them, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And I played God in that way, saying, you know, here I am, a human girl, and I know it all. I know what's to come. I know what the future is going to hold. I know what the past means. I know what the present. I I thought I knew it all. And I didn't know, which is what made me an agnostic. I didn't know to be without knowledge. And um, spearhead, again, is another really neat word that I uh, looked up because, you know, when I think of spearhead, I think of this cultural anthropology class. And... The definition is the driving force of a given action. And in a way, it's a really, it's just a neat definition, the driving force. It is when you're spearheading, you know, a tool, you're driving it into a a buffalo. But again, I was driving my will, 
trying to run the show, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And right now I'm taking on a journey again through the big book, the third time. You know, now I'm going through it recovered, so it's even more bare bones, I guess you could say. And it's just exhausting to see what somebody like me does. They're trying to run the show, and it's just, it's it's vain. It's just vain. It's it's conceited. It's producing no result, and it's it's useless. Uh, thank you very much. I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Mary would. Mary, go ahead. Good morning, everybody. I really don't want to comment, but I have to make a public apology. I'm really sorry that all of you had to hear hear how bad I was the other day, but I I had no right, and I shared on a beautiful person sharing, and I had no right. I know I might disagree, but I have no right to say that, and I'm really very sorry. I hope you can all, especially that person, could forgive me from the bottom of my heart. I am so sorry, and I hope to never do it again. It was very, very wrong of me. Thank you for listening to me this morning, and I'm so sorry. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. Would anyone else like to comment? comment. This is Janice. Janice, Janice, go ahead. Well, good morning to you. Good morning to you and everybody. My name is Janice. Um, I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, this paragraph is it is me, was me, you know. Um, instead of regarding my thinking and my intelligence, <laughs> oh my goodness, goodness! And you know, we've heard it on this line. I, I thought I was all right, you know, like we hear, you know, a, a bag of chips and the dip, you know, because um, I had the power, I had a thought, I had this degree, I had that, I could reason. Oh, really? Well, how did that work for me? I reasoned and I try to figure out and I try to be so self-righteous. That's what I was. And um, today, you know, it didn't work then. It didn't work then. So instead of my thinking, I chose to believe. I chose to put my thinking aside. First of all, I didn't give myself and make my mind and give me the intelligence, you know, thinking that I did when I have a creator that made my mind. That's quite prideful, isn't it? Thinking that I was, um, you know, above everything. That's like playing God. So I had to just lay aside, you know, what I thought. Because guess why? It didn't work. And uh, try to choose to be willing to believe in something other than what I used to think of. And uh, that's, what it's, that's what it's saying to me, because I am not the beginning and the end. <laughs> I'm just another creature, another compulsive overeater. And I thank you when I pass, Monica. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Katie from Boston. This is Jackie. I don't care. Oh wow! Um, I heard I heard a Katie from Boston. Um, I heard Larry, and I know that Elaine. Jackie. 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 Okay, Katie, Larry, Elaine, and Jackie. All right, Katie, you're up. Good morning, friends. This is Katie G. Recovered from Boston. Grateful to be here um, on the line. And um, <laughs> I love the. I just love this talking about you know how you know my thinking was the best. You know that's what I thought. You know I my my solution is my thinking, right? But there's no chapter in the big book called Into Thinking, right? And when I got to this point, step two with my sponsor again. We had gone through the work, right? We're going through the first 63 and a half pages together so I can take my step three, so I can begin my writing and really take step three. And what I saw, you know, was the devastation of being powerless without choice or control around the food, and then in abstinence, in a state of control, in, you know, this delusion of control, trying to manage my life with my thinking. And the truth is, my thinking is very limited 
without God. I had no God. I was God. I was the last word. I was the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. And how sad, you know, because, you know, my favorite quote, the things I place in his hands are better than I can imagine. Like my life today, having done the work, continuing the work on a daily basis, being recovered from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body today, my life without my hands on it is phenomenal. There are things in my life that I'm not creative enough to know. I didn't know that I could do the kinds of things that I do today on a regular basis because of my limited human thinking. And I still get caught with this. But at the time, you know, all I could, all I could see was, you know, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And, and, you know, yeah, it was absolutely ego. But what was behind ego? Fear. Fear of not being good enough, fear of being wrong, fear of not getting what I want, fear of losing what I have. And as a direct result of surrendering to a power greater than myself that I barely knew at that time, that I had the willingness to believe, I was able to open to him and his soothing love into his security. You know, because my unmanageability of my life is an inside job and only God can soothe that. You know, but the only way to get to that relationship with God is doing steps four through nine and living there. You know, and so it was really, this is, again, a a humility um, that just came from devastation of saying, Katie, you are not a good manager. Get out. You are not in management anymore. Be done. You know, and, and let God, let the unknown you know, be just wonderful and exciting and possibility. I used to be someone who, if I didn't know the future, I would have rather known a bad future than live in the unknown and possibility of good things happening to me. You know, and I did that in abstinence. I decided there was no way I could ever do, go to graduate school. I had applied to five schools and I hadn't heard from one and I told everyone I didn't get in because I didn't get into four because I was more comfortable with failure than not knowing. And today, thank you, God, I can live with the not knowing because there's a relationship that I have with this God who I've come to know through my surrender process. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Larry, you're up. Good morning, Monica. This is Larry, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, Thanks for your service, Monica. Ah, oh, you know, I, I, I like this, uh, you know, instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearhead, spearheads of God's ever advancing creation, you know, we, we, we chose to believe that we were the last word. And, you know, it, it, it leads me to think, you know, what, what is the definition of God? You know, I mean, just purely looking at it, you know, the creator, the ruler of the universe, source of all moral authority a supreme being. You know, let me introduce myself. I'm God. Here I am. Um, that, I mean, that, that's really, let me tell you what I created. I created misery for myself, the likes of which um, I hope you, you know, you never have to, never have to experience, you know. Be, I mean, the, the, the additional 85 or 6 pounds that I created, that, that, you know, that was bad enough and, you know, that was very uncomfortable you know, uh, walking around with that, that wonderful creation. Uh, you know, whether I co-created it or created it, I don't know. I, I was walking around with it. Very uncomfortable indeed, but it was really just a symptom of the other, the other crap that I created. Um, I created misery in all my relationships, you know, with very little, maybe an intermittent period of... Uh, uh, peace, uh, uh, joy. I created, uh, and the misery I created for myself. Um, I was, um, I was an equal opportunity God. See, I shared that misery with you. If I was going to experience it, I was quite sure that you were going to experience it as well. You know, as the uh, because because again, I was the authority of uh, the moral authority of not only my universe but yours as well. You know, and uh, and, and my goodness, if you didn't worship me. Well, you know, then, then, you know, that's that's not a good thing. We're not going to be happy, meaning if you didn't agree with me, uh, because I was the spearhead of it all. I, I led led everything, you know, and I I created um, other things too. You know, I created um, 
I was a creator of anxiety, the likes of which, you know, were, were not were not good. Um, panic attacks I created, um, and I created all sorts of solutions, external solutions, whatever whatever I woke up and, and thought and conjured up that day. You know, that's that's the direction I was going. Um, you know, so it's so beautiful today that I'm no longer the director, that I, the God of my understanding directs my life. You know, I came to believe, that's really what we're talking about, I came to believe not only, you know, uh, that in a power greater than myself, but that that power greater than myself would indeed restore me to sanity. That was a big leap. You know, many of us come into this program believing in a, a power perhaps even a power greater than ourselves, but, but nothing that would restore us to sanity. After all, we didn't even believe we were insane. As soon as I surrendered and understood that, then I, you know, then I began to, uh, to turn my will and my life over to this God and work these steps in order to have a spiritual awakening. That's made all the difference in my life. Now I'm a servant, a willing servant. So anyways, I, I need to always be reminded of these things because uh, as soon as I forget these things, uh, I'm back out there again. Anyways, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And I wrote down Elena, but I'm not sure if it was Elena or Elaine. You're up next. It is, it is Elaine. Okay, uh, recovered good. Recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. Thank you. Thank you for your service and for everyone out on the line. I am just thinking about the words Alpha and Omega and the fact that even though when I was willing to take, um, you know, to go through the steps and to take step two, became willing to believe that a power greater than myself will restore me to sanity and that that power was not me, um, I have been taught to practice these principles in all of my affairs, to work the steps every single day. And when I think of Alpha and Omega, the one who knows, the one who knows the beginning, the one who knows the end, the one who has all of the answers, the one who is keeping the world spinning and keeping everything going in the right direction, um, you know, it's that kind of thinking that got me to 100 pounds overweight. It's that kind of thinking that nearly wrecked my marriage. It's that kind of thinking that got me so in touch with the furious four horsemen you know, um, that, and I realize that even today, you know, when I think I know the answer, when I think I know what's best for, not just for me, but for everybody else that's out there, when I know how, you know, this family member should do this, or that coworker should do that, or this employer should, should do this, and, and I think that, oh, well, if this happens, the outcome will be that, um, you know, I have to surrender every single day to a power greater than myself and to seek guidance. I have to surrender my food every single morning or, you know what, I'm going to be right back into it. I, I climbed so quickly. I left the rooms and within less than eight months when I went to see my doctor, I was borderline diabetic. In less than eight months of eating sugar after nine years with no sugar. You know, my best thinking, my way of doing things, my way is, uh, you know, it's not the best for me and it's not the best for anybody else. But if I become willing every single day and when I recognize that, I know what you should do, I know what they should do, I know what I should do, um, that that's sort of one of those red flags for me that I'm going down a road that may not be the best thing and that truly there's a higher power out there uh, that I believe cares about every single detail of my life. If he cares enough to care about what food I put into my mouth, why isn't he going to care enough to help me figure out family situations, figure out work situations, figure out, you know, neighbor situations, figure out how to how to manage in my marriage, manage in every area of my life. That's a higher power I trust, I rely on. And I absolutely adore the fact that in the big book, we're reminded, and, and for me it's something I need to read every single day, that if I don't know the answer, you know, if you didn't know the answer in my family, you were wrong, you were bad, you were, you know, I used to make up answers because you got awards, you know, bells rung when, rung when you were right. And when you were wrong, you're the worst, you're the, you're a 
stupid, you're, you know, you're useless. And so uh, those years and years of having to stand up and think I'm right and talk authoritatively, uh, you know, I'm still trying to unravel those and, and surrender to that power that truly can direct me. And if I don't know the answer, I can just give it to God. I'm, I'm ceasefighting everything. And the answer will come. That intuitive thought or decision is growing more and more that um, I can align myself with that power greater than myself. And I thank you for everybody in these rooms and, of course, for the big book for, uh, for teaching these things. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Elaine. Jackie, you're up. Uh, this is Jackie, a compulsive reader. Um, I really like this chapter. I, I love it. And uh, when it was read this morning, I had to stand back and just look at myself and realize how pitiful I was last year. And I had to ask myself, Jackie, name one thing that you created and brought life to. And I realized I hadn't brought life to anything. And I realized I had what what I hear people say, the isms. You know, I I sponsored myself and thought that I was a god. And how how terrible of me to, to think that today. And I realized that I didn't have an alignment with the God of my understanding. I didn't have an alignment with anything because I played God. I was controlling. I thought my mouth was a prayer book and everybody was supposed to bow down to it. And when I soon realized that I didn't have no power, I was powerless, then I I started to shake myself up. I, I started depending on the God of my understanding and, and, and understanding the more that I, I heard that I had to find this power. And I realized the power that I was seeking was already there. I just never asked it for help. And today I thank God that, that he is here for me to turn just to ask for help, just to, 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 to be in line with him. Because I was a hot mess. I destroyed a marriage. I, I destroyed relationships with my kids because I played this God thing. And uh, today, all that I lost, the God of my understanding is giving it all back because I learned how to be a servant, not to play God. I, I learned how to be a servant. And uh, I'm willing to do the work. I, I wasn't willing in the past. I wasn't willing to do anything but stay uh face down on a plate of food and, and, and worship that every every time my hand went up, my mouth flew open, and I was bowing down to that. And today I don't have to do that. The God of my understanding says that he'll give me all that I need only if I do his works and do them well, carry the message, pass it on. And I enjoy doing that today. That gives me a, a sense of freedom, knowing that I can feel good all day. I don't have to worry about the spirituality creeping in. And uh, and at the end of the day, I can I can do an inventory and thank God for a good day. And if it was bad, I can still thank Him and and thank Him and and wish Him well for the people that I've harmed. That's the goodness of this program. And and I thank God that I'm um, I'm seeing some changes. I'm not fully there yet, but I'm seeing it. And uh, every day I get up, I get up with a feel good feeling of knowing that number one, I woke up not by my own creation because I didn't do it. Uh, I've, I've been given another chance at this, and I, I really thank the God of my understanding for this. I thank the God of my understanding for the people on this phone. I listen to these suggestions every day, and every day when I hear everybody on this line speaking, it gives me a sense of hope. It makes me feel really good to know that I'm not alone in this program. And I thank each and every one of you. And with that, thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Jackie. And let's move on to the next paragraph. And Hoodie, could you read for us, please? <laughs> Hi, good morning, Monica. This is Hoodie, Recovered Compulsible Reader. We, we who have traveled this dubious path, beg you to lay aside prejudice, even against organized religion. We have learned that whatever the human frailties of, of various states may be, those states have given purpose and direction to millions. People of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception, whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritually-minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness which we should have thought ourselves. And I will pass for now. 
Thank you, Hoodie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Katie. Katie, and I think I heard someone else. Sarah. Sarah? Amy. Amy. Okay. Katie, Sarah, Amy. Go ahead, Katie. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And this paragraph by um, people of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. And, you know, this is about the fact that um, of opening your mind. You know, I had to open my mind to the fact that my way was not working. And all my um, skeptical uh, views of what um, organized religion, what even uh, the 12-step rooms had to offer me, it had to be smashed. I had to let go of the fact that I had, that I thought I had tried everything, even in the rooms, even in my um, the religion of my choice and the fact that it had never worked before, I had to let go of that and just trust that if I took a a new leap of faith, a leap of faith today, regardless of what happened last time I did it, the last time I prayed, the last time I got on my knees, the last time I said, "I'll, I'll swear off forever, I had to let go of everything that had happened in my life and say, I will do this. I will give this one more chance and not look to the future, not look to the right or to the left, but just look at the, the step in front of me, which, you know, right now we're on step two. Right now we're, um, we're coming to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. And I could not do that when I was holding on to my prejudice about um, all these people, you know, I, I just was so negative. And, you know, today I don't, I still can do that. You know, I still can think, yeah, well, whatever. You know, when someone sounds too, uh, too airy-fairy for me, you know, too spiritual, too lofty, too something. You know, I just think, well, where's reality in there? Where is, you know, the nuts and bolts of life? And, you know, God meets me every day where I am, you know, in the smallest ways. Um, And that's what I'm able to see today is that, um, you know, I'm not living a life of self-will run riot anymore. I am not creating new uh, disasters that need to be cleaned up. I'm not perfect. I don't uh, do everything, you know. I'm not a machine or a computer that just, you know, every single second of every single day I'm highly productive and and motivated and smart and pretty and everything that I want to be. But I don't have to go back. I don't have to go back like the previous uh, person was saying, you know, the destruction that happened in eight months. I mean, that's what I know would happen. I know that if I went back to the food, my entire life would change in a blink of an eye. I would lose everything I have. And, you know, so instead I say, you know, I don't know what I need to do next, God, but please direct me. And that is, you know, not the way I lived before. I was more like the wild dog in the, in, you know, that supposedly is free you know, running around doing whatever I want, but they're they're really not free. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Sarah, you're next. Good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everybody on the line, and especially the newcomers. Glad you're here. Um, you know, for me, uh, the thing that keeps coming into my mind lately and when we read this is about... Um, that that part of myself that can be so um, judging, and I have had such judgment against others, and whether it be religious differences, um, and I think you know it really comes from you know if I'm not what they are, then one of us must be wrong, so it must be them, or I don't want to believe it could be me, and it's that. You know, to compare is to despair. You know, I keep on thinking that and and think that 
you know, if I could just keep my mind open enough, you know, I think when Ebby talked to Bill and said, you know, find your own conception, that was like such a monumental thing for this program. I mean, it was just huge. And on top of that, to say, to put aside all things that we know and then start from scratch. And and my sponsor taught me many years ago that what what I could do is those qualities that, that I would have for my higher power would tend to be what I would become as, that would be part of me, because I would aspire to those things, not that I ever reached a pinnacle. But, you know, when I get into dissecting and when I get into judging and, you know, it talks about, um, uh, you know, people do have a logical idea of what life is about. The people, people of faith do have that. You know, the morality, the caring about other people, you know, those are wonderful parts of it. And instead I could pick it apart and say, well, look at all the wars that were started. And, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of hypocritical people. But that's my disease talking is the way I see it because, you know, it puts me on the outside. You know, this is really an all-inclusive book. And if I look at the idea that this allows me to become part of instead of apart from, that's the gift of the program. You know, when we start to identify in, when we start to realize. And, you know, when it talks about happiness and usefulness, which we should have thought for our lives. You know, that's what the big book promises us, that we will finally have a purpose uh, and that we will know freedom like we've never known, not only around the food, but around situations that used to baffle us. I mean, this is what the whole thing is about. So coming to is about waking up. You know, I've been asleep. It's almost like I've been asleep in a cave like a bear. And I and I you know I I've been so set apart and isolated and now I get to be a part of and I'm so grateful for that and with that I'll pass thank you. Thank you, Sarah and Amy. You're up. Good morning. Uh, thank you for your service, Monica. Good morning to the newcomer. Good morning, everyone. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. I too want to talk about this. We beg of you to lay aside prejudice, even against organized religion. I've heard in the rooms of AA that we're not here to convince you of God, just that you're not it. And I can understand that. And what they're saying here, you know, of laying aside prejudice is I had plenty of prejudice coming into these rooms. I thought I was supposed to be the Alpha and the Omega. I was supposed to be running the show. I mean... Your average Joe out there will say you have to be the the creator of your own destiny. And for me to admit any powerlessness was a weakness. Um, My family's motto is all it takes is a little willpower. And I had plenty of prejudice because I thought those of faith were showing a weakness by, by asking for help. And I didn't understand what it was that faith was. And remember, we're reading about, we read about just recently in the back this uh, on the spiritual experience that the proof against all arguments in which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance is the principle of contempt prior to investigation. I never investigated any of these religions. I just had contempt. I just didn't even want to bother with. I had serious prejudice. But again, we talked about yesterday about being beaten by this disease, beaten and tumbled into a state of reasonableness. It also talks about in the big book, there, there will come a day if, you, if you know, we are truly compulsive readers as, as I was, that, we can't, that I couldn't imagine a life with eating or without. You know, I stood at that turning point because I didn't know where to go. And here I came to this program and they started mentioning God, and I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to work this program because I don't believe. And yet here it tells us, and what we've been talking about day after day is just a putting in a key of willingness to know that who we are in this disease, to understand it and admit powerlessness, and then be willing to look outside of ourselves. Well, I certainly knew I was powerless, and I certainly knew that if I didn't do something, I was going to die of this disease. And I had to surrender to the fact that my way of thinking was killing me. My mind was warped. I had that perverse streak that it was talking about 
in the prior paragraph that when it came to eating, I could not think clearly, that my life was unmanageable. So what did I have left to do? I had to pick up this kit of spiritual tools, which of course is the 12 steps. And the beginning starts by laying aside prejudice, letting go of old ideas. And I had to be willing to do that. And the disease was my best advocate as far as that goes because I was afraid. I was very, very afraid. And to be honest with you, the only concept I was willing to do at the beginning was to make the program my higher power. That was all. I knew I couldn't be the higher power, but I was certainly willing enough to lay aside everything else and say, those who have recovered and gone before, I want what they have. Show me how to do that. And through the process of coming to believe and working these steps, I developed a higher power. That process evolves over time. That's why I just had to follow the instructions that are given in this book and lay aside prejudice because that contempt prior to investigation will kill me. And so will my selfishness and self-centeredness. It also talks about in the big book. Selfishness, self-centered, we have to get rid of it or it kills us because when I start relying on myself, then I don't leave any room for a higher power. I start playing God. My prejudices come back in full tilt and I put myself in a world of hurt with this disease. So all I had to do was start by saying, I am not God here. My old ideas, the result was nil until I let go off absolutely. And that's what I had to do. I had to let go and be willing and watch out for those prejudices and those old ideas. And whenever they came out was to put them aside, as other had said, put them aside and be open to what others have done and who have recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. And this is Monica, and I'm going to step in here for a moment. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And and we who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice, even against organized religion. We. And who is the we? Of course, the we are the first 100 recovered alcoholics who helped write this book who came together 100% in agreement, who have traveled this dubious path, this uncertain path. They've traveled it. They've already been over this path. They know what's at the end of the path. They know what's on the other side of the door. Beg you. And, this, and, and you know, um, there's only two times in the book in the, that it says beg you. And most of the time here when we're reading things, they're, they're saying we suggest, we, you know, you might like to do this. But here they're saying we beg you to lay aside prejudice, to lay aside your old ideas. Your old ideas. You know, Monica's best ideas got her in a heap of trouble. Miserable. Over 200 pounds. Frustrated. Depressed. You know, just totally miserable. Miserable, miserable. Being controlled by food when she was thinking she was in control. So they're saying, you know, Monica... How's your ideas working for you? How's that worked for you, Monica? Monica had to admit it had not worked very well at all. And they're saying here in this chapter, and they're trying to get us to think a little differently, to think outside of the box. Am I willing to think outside of the box? Am I willing to believe that there might be something greater than Monica that can help me here with this disease, this baffling, powerful disease. And they're saying, try to set aside those old ideas, Monica. Are you willing to start a new experiment here or try a new experiment here? What, What do you have to lose? So set aside your old ideas, even against organized religion. Wow. And we also are very quick to tell you that this is a spiritual program. This is not a religious or a religion. This is a spiritual program. So, Monica, set aside all your old ideas about your religion or any other religion. And give this a chance. Because we've been through this path and we know what's on the other side. We know this will work. And with that, I will pass... 
And let's move on to the next paragraph. And Sharon R.S., could you read that for us, please? Good morning. This is Sharon, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, and welcome to all on the line. Instead, we looked at human def- at the human defects of these people and sometimes used their shortcomings as a basis of wholesale condemnation. We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. We missed the reality and the beauty of the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. Well, this is certainly, certainly true of me. And it was very painful for me to get to the point where I could see it. I was in program and and, and I... I just could not see. I remember, as a matter of fact, the first time I approached my four-step, my first round with it, I thought, boy, I just have, I just don't feel resentful toward anyone. I just could not see any resentments that I had. I just could only see what people had done to me and against me and i saw myself as this person who just wanted to do the right thing who just wanted to be kind and loving toward all i couldn't see that i was a person that had was full of defects that was full of resentments and full of anger and so in reading this i I re I it was a challenge for me to come to really grasp my own intolerance of others. And I I know that uh in in the religious world when I would when I was would deal with the religious community, I looking at uh I, I I could see hypocrites everywhere, people who who said they believed one way and acted another way, and it made me angry and resentful at them. And so I went out and sought a religious community where we could all be right together. And then I came to understand that that same intolerance that I had when when I was looking at religious communities, I brought into a religious community and then joined the group of uh, and we were intolerant of others together and convinced of our rightness. So I went and sought out people who who acted and felt and believed the way I did, and we were intolerant together. And then I was more convinced of my rightness and less convinced of others. But as I have grown in my recovery, I have come to recognize that we all have defects and that my only recourse is in my relationship with my higher power, with my God, and so that I don't live in my defects and so that I don't uh, put my, uh, uh, allow my self-righteousness to We lost you, Sharon. Sharon, star one. Sharon, star one to unmute. We lost you. Okay, well, maybe she'll come back. Perfection on earth. There you are, and you came back. Oh, did I disappear? You did, you did. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but my, 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 what I, 
what I have come to realize is that God is in each and every one of us, and we have our imperfections, and we, but we have to learn to live and work together, and we can do that when I accept my imperfection, when I accept my need for God because I am imperfect, when I look instead for the beauty and for God in other people, then we can get along and work together. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Oh, boy. Um, there was a whole bunch of people, and I didn't hear anybody but Leah. I'm sorry. Try again. Kathy in Boston. Kathy in Boston. Okay. Who else? Nicole. Nicole. Okay. I think there might have been one other person. Jean. Jean. Okay. Kathy, Nicole, Leah, and Jean. Kathy, go ahead. Thank you, Monica, for your service. I'm Kathy from Boston, a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, we never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. Um, That was me for so many years. And um, it was only by coming back and continuing to listen and to witness the strength and the love and compassion of folks who claim they did have a faith in a higher power that I began to um, consider the possibility that um, there was something greater than me that I could uh, seek. And, um, you know, the prejudice that I had was so, so um, strong and enduring Um, that it was only through the process of working steps uh, four through nine and because my sponsor asked me uh, to to bring my higher power as best I could into that work by saying the third step prayer every time I sat down to write that I began to feel a connection uh, with him. And, uh, it, you know, listening to others and especially listening to the suggestions of my sponsor is what enabled me to start putting a chip in that prejudice, in that wall of prejudice. And uh, I'm just so grateful that um, I was given this gift and even more grateful that I can help others today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. And we're um, running short of time here, so Nicole, you're up. Hi, this is Nicole. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Colorado. And uh, the part that strikes me in this is um, just the prejudice against people. And all this seems so true for me. I'm so quick to judge others and to um, pull a speck out of others' eyes instead of looking at a plank in in my eye. And I'm trying to... um, Realize just that it's me who needs changing, and, and I love just the quick prayer that I can say, you know, bless them and change me. And I'm trying to remember also that um, God has created everybody, and He loves everybody the same. So I'm no better than anybody else. And you know, um, to realize that I have so many shortcomings, and that um, need attention, and I, I need to focus on that. When I really take the time to do that, I just don't have time to look at the shortcomings of other people. And um, I can start seeing everybody as, um, you know, God's creation. And, you know, everyone is just like me, um, you know, uh, spiritually sick, trying to make their way through this world. And that's all I have. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Leah, you're up. Thanks so much, Monica. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Uh, we never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. I mean, the title of this chapter, for We Agnostics, We Without Knowledge, and I certainly came here without knowledge. I just wasn't developed in this area. Um, I was emotionally stunted, that's for sure, um, but I was also spiritually stunted. I just had not been um, awakened 
to this side of life. I hadn't given it a fair hearing. And, uh, you know, the greatest obstacle to my recovery was my own judgment. Um, but the disease had beat me to a pulp, and I made a decision that, um, you know, that if it's in the big book, it's true as, as far as I'm concerned, and that eliminated a massive amount of uh, doubt and uncertainty for me um, because I had to look at the results. You know, I had to look at the results. I had to take an honest assessment of my life. Um, I was experiencing uh, severe isolation. I was experiencing deep depression. I had suicidal thinking. Um, I really had no close friends. I couldn't sleep well at night. Um, I was a victim. I had self-pity and, and you know, um, the results of my, my thinking had been terrible. However, when I viewed the results of those who were living uh, spiritually, I saw people who had peace of mind, they had self-respect, they had a sense of stability, they had happiness, they had usefulness. Um, the, the program of recovery didn't have to stand on trial because the results were obvious. The results were obvious. The consciousness that created my problem could not be the same consciousness that was going to solve my problem. I need God consciousness. I needed the spiritual side of life. How was I going to get such a thing because I was so ignorant? Well, I didn't have to worry about how was I was going to get spiritual. The program of recovery, these steps, you know, it spoke about in the previous paragraph, uh, beliefs and practices meaning that there was going to be some uh, beliefs here, but there was also going to be some action steps, some practices that I was going to need to implement in my life, that this spiritual life was not going to be a theory. It was going to be a design for living for somebody like me. So I didn't have to come up with how to get spiritual. The program of recovery is, offers me clear-cut directions that is how to get transformed from a self-centered existence to a spiritual-centered existence, a God-centered existence. And it's all found in these pages. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And Jean, you're up. Uh, thank you, Monica. This is Jean, recovered in Oregon. And just briefly, the, the paragraph characterizes the desolation and demoralization of, of the whole experience and also the kind of coming to the end of the box canyon. How do we do this if we don't, in my case, uh, we would like to take step three, but we just don't buy it. And so where, how, where's the way out? Well, the good news is there's uh, no mistakes in our higher powers universe. And in my case, it just meant that the suffering was so intense that eventually I thought, well, maybe I should should start a meditation practice. And and I did. And did it a number of years while I was still washing around in the misery of the disease and um and that kind of softened a little bit the idea of, of um becoming more tolerant here in the middle of the paragraph. How do you do that when you're basically Rigid is all get out and running scared, and and um, so for me that that meditation practice it was separate from the big book, but it was in line with it a hundred percent. I see now, and it allowed me to eventually have ears to hear, and to now live in recovery that I never in the world thought I would would enjoy. And I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Jean. And we've come to the end of our time for this morning, and I want to thank, give a thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Kim, can you read it from the vision for you for us, please? Thank you, Monica. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. <clears throat> we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.